prompt, but I don't need you to tell me what did to you do. Your, did you get, oh yeah, so now we're live. Right right as soon as I was about to ask if you got your hair cut. <laughs> I did get my hair cut. Do you I always have fringe? Cut. Is that what you call it in Australia? Yeah, we call it a fringe. We don't, we, do you know, I spent my whole bangs. childhood. Bangs here. Yeah, I know, and I don't get it. I so don't get it. I spent my whole childhood reading novels where girls had bangs and it's like, what, like Nancy Drew or something or Fear Street? Or what are you talking about? Uh, what did I read as a kid? Um, Famous Five. That was, that's British, though. Um, I can't remember now. What was I reading? That was American. Lots of things. I read a lot as a kid. My son uh, yeah, just and all ripped the... through the um, Hardy Boys. He was a <gasps> fan of that. See, I'm building up. I've got the entire collection. I've got the entire James Bond collection for when they're teenagers. I'm building up the entire Agatha Christie collection because my boys both love a whodunit. Mm. And, but I have got the entire collection of the Famous Five. Did you ever get into the Famous Five? Never heard of them. Oh, you see? Nazi, they couldn't have been that famous. They didn't have social media then. Um, but it's like the British version of the Hardy Boys. Ah. Yeah. So it was... Um, you know, wartime England, um, kids staying in some country house um, during the war. You know, kids were sent away to the country in the mm. UK during the war, and um, and they were there were always <laughs> there were always people up to no good, and uh, they would solve these mysteries. And there was Julian, Dick, Anne, George, who was a girl, and Timmy the dog. And they were just so fabulous, you know. So as a kid, I just firmly believed that that's what I was going to be when I grew up. Like I was going to be some kid who solved mysteries. And but for a long time, but now you're an adult who solves mysteries within the minds of people who are being held back. The mysteries of the mind. So when, as an adult, I even wanted to be like I just thought I wanted. I started writing detective novels at one point in my life. You know, I just really had this whole. That's why I became a psychologist because I was interested in crime. Mm. Yes, it goes all the way back. It goes. I've never made that connection before, but it does all go go all the way back to Famous Five. Well, there you go. You're welcome. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> Are we recording or no? <laughs> well, no, we're live on Facebook and ah. chat. We can we record now. Sure. Welcome to the Crawley and Drager Centre of Attention sessions. We've just been talking uh, all things Famous Five, which Mark had never heard of. So I may have to send you a book to share with your kids and then you could, or even a link because there was a tv series there was a there was so much there's so much that is the famous five it was but we like, made a connection. a book from australia and deep down inside i'm like oh that's so thoughtful that's so nice oh wow she's gonna do that okay cool and then it's like or a link well it's only because every time i've every time i have sent something to someone in i haven't Sent anything to anyone in Canada, but when I've sent anything to anyone in the US, it has taken months, hmm. and the moment has well and truly gone, and then they've forgotten what the joke was that I've sent them the funny thing. I now had I, I had a friend uh, in Wales who so so I have I have an original mini, uh, like a 1974 <gasps> mini in my garage. Mm -hmm. I've had it for now 19 yeah. years. I've been restoring yeah. it for that time. It's funny because you also have the biggest truck on the planet, right? <laughs> I do have I do have. Yeah, whatever. I have a pickup truck too. Yes. But um, anyway, he sent me in 2002, I think he was over here in Canada. We were talking and the original Italian job. He's like, you've never seen the original Italian job. 
Oh, right. Oh, no. There's no, there's no internet back then. There was no American Italian yeah. job or the redo one. So he mm-hmm. bought a, a DVD copy and sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember that, like there's the difference between PAL and NTSC. Yes, so of course. I couldn't play you couldn't play it. This DVD yeah. at all. And yeah. so uh, now they have like, I guess, world DVDs or whatever. But at the time I had to, I had to put it into a computer yeah. and you were only allowed to change the computer from like American to British, like three times. And then, yeah. and then it would stop working. And so I had to use up one of the times to turn it over to that so I could watch it and then use one of the times to turn it back. And that was it. I've never watched it again. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, okay. I think I think about, um, so I think when uh, people are talking about VW Beatles, um, I think about um, the movie What's Up Doc with Barbara Streisand. Oh, really? I think of Herbie the Love Bug, but anyway. No, you see, that's crap. That is crap. Uh, but, I watched uh, it with my kids two weeks ago, the original, right? and they loved it. But, I bet they did. That's fantastic. Also like they will, the they will love, yeah, I know, they will love What's Up Doc even more. It's a classic slapstick comedy, Peter Bogdanovich comedy from the 70s. It's a heist film that's driving car chases with a V-dub through the streets of San Francisco, and it's hilarious. Barbara Streisand and uh, Ryan O'Neill, who you would not imagine either of those being in a hilarious film, but it is um, Bernadette Peters as well. Really funny. Go see it. So that's the movie I think of when I'm thinking of Vita Beatles, there you go. Uh, which I don't, which we weren't talking about, but now you know. No, but here we are. Here we find ourselves. <laughs> here we are anyway. Here we are. Here we are anyway. So um, yeah, so the... I have a question for you. Good. I have a question. I do. Last yeah. time when we spoke a fortnight yeah. ago. As, as they say, yes, as they say on the other end of the world. Uh, two That's weeks right. ago when we spoke, uh, you were, were torn on what you can do to help support those little communities yeah. affected greatly by the blaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you do? Well, guess what? I discovered, ah, you see, I did do something. So I have discovered um, a, a little startup non-profity thing called My My Malakuta Esky. So I think I told you last time that there was a a movement called Take an Empty Esky or Go with an Empty Esky, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, travel to these communities with an empty esky, so ice bucket, empty esky, and buy things, fill your empty esky with things from these regions and go home. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a lovely woman, Vanessa, in Malakuta. She's in the middle of having plans drawn up for her home to be rebuilt. So you're immediately affected by the fires. But she realised Malakut is a six-hour drive, as we discovered, a six-hour drive from pretty much anywhere. Um, And so she's created a thing called My Malakuta Esky, which is she's corralling local businesses to pull together items that people can buy online. And then ship them out. And so ship them out. Nice. So I'm in contact now with Vanessa and we are, um, we were going to speak the other day, but she had a sick child, but we are going to be talking. We, she's um, hopefully going to be on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and she's also you know, interested in what I'm talking about with supporting um, businesses in, in the Malakuta region in particular. Um, so Malakuta is East Gippsland region, beautiful part of Victoria. And the backstory is that my husband's mother used to live on an island um, in the East, East Gippsland region um, called Raymond Island. Um, 
famous for the first time I heard the incredible sounds that koalas make when they are having sex. <laughs> Great. And what it's is that? terrifying. It, it's, it's a terrifying noise. You think oh. someone's being murdered with a chainsaw. Can you, can you replicate it for me, please? <laughs> I, I actually can't. Like, I actually don't think I'm physically capable of producing that noise. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I just had a conversation with someone either today or this morning, I think, at the gym about the sound mm. we have foxes here i live i live on a oh, yeah. property with a creek and we have foxes <clears throat> have you ever heard the mating sound of a vixen fox which is a female fox yeah i know what a vixen is okay no. great well sorry it's not a term over here we don't use vixen for anything i had to oh, literally no it's not a common term here really we vixen is not a t i mean unless unless you're talking about like hey that woman is dressed up for halloween like a vixen no vixen is not a term we use like not even like for a foxy lady. Like no. dun, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like maybe at Halloween someone might be like, no, no one's like she's a vixen. Ah. No. Anyway, so so I had to look up the term, but anyway, uh, we so don't speak the same language, do we? <laughs> no, not often. Not often. But if you've ever heard the mating, uh, the mating call, the shriek no. <laughs> of a vixen oh. fox, I was sitting three years ago, I was sitting watching TV late at night. And I don't know if we had the window open or not, but I heard what I thought was a woman being raped in, in oh, the ravine, shrieking wow. yeah, right. like, 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 like out of a horror movie. And so I, yeah, I yeah, literally yeah. run into the backyard and somewhere off is just like the worst howl you can imagine. And mm. I had to Google it to try and figure out what was making the sound because yeah. I found out it wasn't. That's terrifying. Fact. But yeah, anyway. No. Yeah. Is that what well, it sounds like? Well, the only reason like? we knew <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And the only reason we knew it wasn't someone being murdered with, an, with a chainsaw is because the sound was coming from the top of the gum tree that we were standing under. So it's like unless someone's very interesting and very small so that they're invisible to us, and unless that hairy-ass thing up there is a human being, which I doubt, that's a koala having sex. So, yeah, it's a okay. very, very story. Wow. It's a little how, bit how did we get and, here? Hold on. How did we get here? What brought us to this to this point in the conversation? Help, helping out business owners in the kitchen. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's how we got here. Okay. That's how we got here. I think that's that the new title. It's not the center of attention. It's the how did we get here conversation. <laughs> so where has my mind gone to? There you go. <laughs> the many paths my, our minds follow. In uh, you know, this is the point of a great conversation is you never know where you're going to end up. Okay. <clears throat> Okay. I just so so, so you're doing this. That's fantastic. You're you're going to help these people out. It's mm. amazing. So if you Google search my Malakuta Esky, mm -hmm. uh, you'll find a website where you can purchase kits of things. Like there'll be a hoodie with Malakuta on it. There'll be some sugar cookies with Malakuta on them. There'll be all sorts of things. There's there'll all sorts of things that you can. A beer some, bottle uh, opener with Malakuta on it. <laughs> well. There's like, there's also, I think she's still building it. So it's, it's in its beginning phases. Um, so there were some shops that already sell Malakuta produce. Well, you know, like for the tourist trade. Um, but there's some, I think there's some jewellery on there now that a local artist um, is producing um, and she's still building it up. So I'm keen to help her raise awareness of that um, and build the profile in whatever way I can, have her on the podcast, have others on the podcast speaking of the podcast i found the most exciting thing ever 
uh, for re recording podcasts. So here in Melbourne, there is a hotel, a pub at um, St Kilda Beach, which uh, I spent my formative early adult years, rather too many hours in this particular pub, which has been done up beautifully now. And in the pub, they have a fully kitted out podcast recording suite. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I'm thinking about doing with Malakuta, once I've had a chat to Vanessa, is setting up a, like booking out the suite, because I think tying it in with um, the, Espl it's the Esplanade Hotel, the Espy to locals, the Esplanade Hotel. So perhaps tying a link with the Esplanade Hotel, because I know they've also had some fundraisers at the SB for bushfire affected communities. So perhaps having a, a, a session booked in at the Esplanade Hotel where I book in a bunch of business owners, record the podcast there. So actually make a bit of an event out of it. You know, when I started my career, I spent mm. a, almost a year working at a hotel and that mm -hmm. hotel was located on a street called the Esplanade in Toronto. Well, there you go. But it wasn't there the Esplanade Hotel. It was a Novotel oh. <laughs> owned by a cool oh. French company. Very, very different probably. <laughs> It's <laughs> just a bit different. This is a beautiful hotel with big bay windows, so Art Deco-ish mm -hmm. hotel, big bay windows that um, look out over the water. And when I was a young adult, it was a very, it had, it had become very hardcore, grungy kind of place. The carpet was famous you know, for the stickiness of it. Um, you know, it was, it was very um, not posh which was a shame at the time because it was this beautiful location, whereas now it's been done up and they've got this beautiful gin. This is where we were talking about gin. No, no, it wasn't with you. It was somebody else. We were talking, talking about uh, yeah, this beautiful gin-inspired, um, oh, gosh. It's a, there's a restaurant with Vietnamese and all sorts of Asian influences, which is a big thing in Australia. We call it fusion, Asian yep. fusion. So a big thing in Australia because we are so close to Asia um, a lot of restaurants have, you know, pools from different parts of Asia. So they've got one of those, but the, the bar area and the restaurant itself is inspired by like a 1920s gin palace. So really quite special now, plus a podcasting studio, which I'm very, very excited about. <laughs> so things are, things are rolling. So it's, I'm excited partly because now I've got a contact in the community. Um, and so I, over time, I'll speak to Vanessa more and see what I can do. Um, and of course, that then means that I've got a contact. I can actually go, like we can, the kids and I can go up there for a long weekend perhaps and, and go and meet some people and, and mm -hmm. record some footage of people doing their amazing things, take some photos, that sort of stuff. So, hmm. And you found a videographer as well? I, I think I have. Yeah, I think I have. So this is, this is one of these stories about serendipity and spontaneity, right? So I have rediscovered Albert Park, which is a lovely part of Melbourne. Um, and I used to spend time in there when I was in high school in Albert Park because my uncle was a hairdresser in Albert Park uh, and famously did my hair for my year 12 formal, which it was massive. The hair was ridiculous. Uh, and there is a photo. I'll share it with you one day. Um, rediscovered Albert Park, sitting, having a coffee outside a very lovely deli. In their window, they had a little sign that said office for rent upstairs. And I went, cool, do I need an office? I'm so attracted to shiny things. So I went and had a look at the office upstairs, um, decided I didn't need the office, but the current occupants of the office are a film company. And, and they mostly 
typically do weddings, I ended up speaking to a woman there who put me onto the owner who rang me that afternoon, very excited to meet with me and um, discuss all things videography. So, you know, sessions for pre-records, um, options for uh, behind the scene, fly on the wall stuff. But also they run a service where you put together the footage and, of course, they'll edit it for you. Um, so lots and lots of options. So I'm meeting with him in a couple of weeks' time. Nice. Nice indeed. Serendipity. Serendipity is a much better word than nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, I love that. I love when, when, you know, our instincts, you know, prompt us to do something. I don't need an office, like an externally rented office space. I really don't. Not yet anyway. Um, but for some reason I was drawn to, I love this particular deli. It has the best coffee and food and it's so nice. You know, what's a lot of fun. I, and this has happened to me a few times, right? So, you know, you love mm -hmm. the area, you love the, the office or, you know, you love, so you love the deli and this and that you go upstairs, you don't do it. I, mm. it's happened to me a few times where like in a year or two years or three mm -hmm. years, you'll suddenly find yourself in that office. Mm -hmm. and you'll be like oh yeah I, I did look at this like three years ago didn't I and you may mm -hmm. even forget that you walked it originally and and it'll just strike yeah. you yeah yeah, house, yeah we live in, right. the house we live in right now yeah uh I I used to live a few blocks that direction that way mm. and yeah. I would drive by this house every single day on my way to work and every single day on my way home because it was just on my way home yeah, yeah. and I never yeah. watched I never paid attention to the house um, I never paid attention yeah. to the home there was one time where there was a big ice storm here and I did notice that the previous mm -hmm. owner was cutting down a tree a big pine tree very slowly because mm -hmm. I would drive to work and the tree's still there half cut down drive home it's half done and that's the only time I noted this home was because this owner previously very slowly cut down a tree and I thought what a silly lazy thing to do um, and then suddenly one day we found ourselves living here and I was like oh yeah I guess Amazing. I used to drive by this house every day. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So. I love, I love um, when I'm talking to people about trusting their instincts and, you know, and listening when things call to them, you know, I, I don't get into the woo woo. I'm not, I'm not into that stuff at all. Um, but I do think that sometimes coincidences or serendipity presents itself. And if we're listening, you know, opportunities. So, you know, this opportunity with a videographer wouldn't have happened if I hadn't followed the instinct to go and, and inquire about this office space. Um, I think um, the reason I was in the reason I was in Albert Park was I needed a vet for my dog, and um, the dog needed to be put in a puppy hotel while I was in Hobart for the most recent trip. Puppy hotel? Puppy you hotel. mean a kennel? Puppy hotel moves a puppy hotel. It's a very expensive vet. kennel. Well. This has penthouse suites. It's a very, very expensive kennel then, basically. The dogs have their own cabin with a TV on the wall for company, a human-sized single bed for them to sleep on. I'm not this joking. This is total Artworks BS. on the wall. Yeah. How, much, how much does it cost a day? How much does this cost, service cost a day in, well, in Australian I don't know, dollars? Because that's, just, that's just details. Don't be bugging me about the details. I don't you, don't, you don't pay attention to that? No. What what it costs Whoa, overall? Hold on, I'm I'm learning something about you now. So yeah, when yeah. you select a service, you don't pay attention to how much it costs. Of course I do, but I don't retain those details if they're not relevant to me. The detail I did retain was that um, the last time we flew him to Melbourne, um, we used a pet courier service 
um, because I couldn't make it. You can't just shove your dog in the plane. It doesn't work like that in Australia. Right. You actually have to book ahead of quarantine. time. You've got to make... Well, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, uh, there's got to be room in the cargo holder. Like you've actually got to make sure that the flight you're travelling on has space. For the, they've got to have a, a cage of a certain size. They, they're not allowed in the cabin of the plane. All sorts of things. Um, it's very different. I know in the States they're putting their foot down on what counts as a as an assistance animal. You, know, like you can't have your assistance peacock on the plane with you anymore yeah. um, or your assistance snake. Um, but, yeah, in Australia it's very, very rule-driven, rule very much about dogs going in the cargo hold and there has to be space. So it has to be coordinated. It's much more complicated than it actually needs to be. So in the end, I had to get a pet courier service so that they could pick him up and bring him to me. It was actually that difficult. The puppy hotel, leaving him at the puppy hotel for nearly a week was less expensive than flying him one way with the puppy courier. So it was okay. We were going to take him, but the rules have changed since I last used the puppy courier that for animal safety reasons, they now don't let certain breeds fly. And his breed yeah. is one of them. Your husband's an engineer, right? <laughs> Yes, where's this going? <laughs> so is he, would you suggest that he's more, <laughs> more detail focused on these types of things or is he? Is... Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So if I asked him what the day rate of the puppy to tell would be, he would be able to tell me? No, because I wouldn't tell him. Because ah, ha, 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 ha. That, how many years have you been married? Well, do you know what? This quite, April, quite successfully? Not, not far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have been together. Since the early days back in the Esplanade Hotel, we've been together for 30 years this April. That's amazing. My wife and I have been together 20 years this May. Congratulations. Thank you. So and you, and, uh, you so, know what I was, I was, when you were talking about trusting your gut, I've, 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 we, we've had quite a time. So I... You've had a bit of time, yeah. No, no, well, we've, had, we've, about... had, we've had a time the, the last few days because, because we've been planning or trying to plan our, our, our 20th anniversary trip. So we've been married so for hard. years together for 20 years. I, I live in the future. Like I am, I am a, I have no problem putting off today, like either procrastinating mm. or, or even the whole like marshmallow yeah. test thing, you know, like I will totally sacrifice. You're not familiar with marshmallow test? No. Oh no. Oh, they did. They ran this. Does it test. involve roasting them? Cause I love roast marshmallow. No, they ran this test. I think in the sixties, uh, as basically they sat a, a, a kid down. And they said, if you, here's a marshmallow, you can eat it now if you want, but if you wait five minutes, you can have two. Sit there and don't do anything. It's an empty room. All, they has, all it is is just a marshmallow. They have to sit there. But if they wait, they get two. And they ran the test uh, with a whole control group. And then they checked up on the kids at age 10, at age 15, at age 20. Anyway, the people, who, the kids who were willing to put off eating the marshmallow saw, you know, it was just a positive indicator of future success, hard work, determination, and other things, because they were willing to put off, mm. you know, d delay the gratification, gratification in order to get what they wanted mm. more of in the long run. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah. I'm, I'm totally of this, like, you know, like, yeah. I'm fine taking four years not traveling anywhere to know that this most amazing thing will be the most amazing thing. So I've been building up this trip in my head, uh, you know, and my wife, is more of the like, well, why can't we do it now and do it later? <laughs> you know, like yeah, two vacations yeah. is better than one really big <laughs> vacation. So, so I'm just like this, this week away with no kids, my wife and I, it's our 20th anniversary, 15 years married. This better be like the, the greatest thing we ever do. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so it's been, I put mm-hmm. so much pressure on it. It's actually very, very challenging to try and find something that will live be, up to my expectations. Be, be very careful. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. We, um, so we were in New York last year for our 25th wedding anniversary. So together 30 years this year, married 25 years last year. And um, we spent a couple of, we were, um, or were we? No, I think, oh, anyway, we were in New York around the time of our 25th wedding anniversary. And so we, we ended up having a weekend, we had Mother's Day. Ameri- must have been American Mother's Day. Is it different to Australian? I think it is. Um, it is. American our, Mo- yeah, I our think Mother's it's Day is like around the 11th, 12th of May. So it was the second well, Sunday of the same. month. I oh, know, maybe it's the same. Maybe it's the same. Uh, and, we, and we stayed at the peninsula in um, Manhattan. Hmm. And I got treated to um, lovely things from Tiffany's. And nothing, uh, uh, nothing over the top, you know, just I have this lovely pendant, which is just a gold sphere. And uh, that was my, my gift. Um, but yeah, we, it was my 50th birthday in January. And, you know, I really wasn't interested in a really big, big thing. So again, we went away, had a weekend away and it was special. And it was lovely. It was different. It was somewhere here as opposed to, you know, it was somewhere I'd never been before. Um, I think we've found that when we build things up, no one's really got the energy anymore <laughs> to, to build things up too big. But my husband does live in fear of, of disappointing uh, my expectations. So I try and keep my expectations fairly low so he's not too stressed. Otherwise, yeah, it doesn't oh. tend to fly so, well. So we decide that we're going to, we can either go I should to... say he always exceeds my expectations. Put it that oh, way. Well, he that's always, good. Which that's is good. great. Yeah, he's, he's beautiful. Mm. So we've been talking about we could go, you know, we, we enjoy Vegas, so we can go to Las Vegas and see some shows and, mm-hmm. and, and eat and go to the spa and hang out, you know, at the pool and all that. We go to New York, we could go to South Beach, we could go to California. Uh, we could go, it's, our, it's in May, so we could go to South Carolina and, you know, like do plantation tours. We could go to the Caribbean, you know, we like Jamaica and other places. And so there's just too many options. And come to I Australia. Know, come to Australia. <laughs> for one week, we're not coming to Australia for a week. No, uh, thank well. you. And we have we still have four kids. So so maybe maybe yeah, when we're a little yeah, older. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so so finally my wife the other day goes like, We are going to the travel agent today and we are deciding today. And I said, Well, but do you want a trip or do you want vacation? Do you want to go to Europe? Do you like like do you want to just relax? Do you want to go see things? Like help me understand this. And so we decide, we decide that we want to go to someplace warm. We decide that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, 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 that sounds really good, but we've done a bunch of beach vacations and I like going to beach vacations be- because that's cool. But, mm-hmm. but this is an important thing and we got to do something a little more extraordinary. And, you know, we want to challenge ourselves out of our comfort zone. So we pick an Island that we, we've never, don't never even heard of. I mean, like, so we're thinking about St. Lucia, which is near Barbados. Oh, wait, yeah. Uh, I know it exists, but I've never yeah, yeah. ever crossed my mind as a place where we should visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here is the thing that that really made me think about your serendipity and being open yeah. and all of this stuff. So, mm. I I am fa- I'm fairly risk adverse. If I'm going to spend mm. a lot of money on a trip, and I'm prepared to spend a lot of money on a trip, like like an uncomfortable amount of money on this trip, it's that important to mm-hmm. me that, that mm-hmm. I, I want to look back and go, that was amazing. And so mm-hmm. we, have, we have a few options, right? St. Lucia is an island that's a volcanic island. And so on the north end of the yeah. island, it gets very flat. And that's where the beaches and the hotels are. And on the south nice. side of the island, 
where you can only get there through dirt roads or helicopter, there's this little tiny, little tiny bay with one tiny beach and mostly mountainside <laughs> hotels. Yeah, right. So, so that's where you're like, going, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So we go, so I go, Jack, you know, it's already something that we're going to uh, uh, St. Lucia. That's already cool. We've never been there. Like, why don't we go to the Sandals, right? The Sandals Resort, at least it's a big resort. It's a brand name. Like, at least we know what we're getting, even though it's kind of cool. And she's like, yeah, I do want the beach and I don't want to go to a place and, and have it be bad. But I really want to stay in the mountains on the, on the side of a mountain. But the only things on the side of a mountain are like six room independent hotels. Uh, or yeah. there's like one resort that we priced yeah. out that would cost $18,000 American, not including food, not including food and not including air travel. And I was like, I was like, I don't think we're in a position to spend $23,000 on one week just to stay in this crazy boutique hotel on the side of a mountain because it has a beach. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I don't, I don't think so. So we're still stuck with the like, do we go into this island and do the sandals mm -hmm. thing, which feels very safe, mm -hmm. or do we go and we found this little tiny hotel that is independently run at only <clears throat> bedrooms, but but it doesn't ha it has open walls, right? So it's like one of these hotels yeah. where you're on the side of a mountain and you have one wall for your bed, and then the rest of it is open walls. <laughs> which is not, which is super Beautiful. risky for me. But, and I said to my wife, I was like, listen, this may be the greatest experience we've ever had, or it could be a total train yeah. wreck and disaster. And we won't know until we get there. So yeah. do you want the safe thing where yeah. we know it's going to be pretty good? Or are you willing to try spending this money to, to try and take this dirt road or a helicopter to this little hotel that literally could be the greatest thing we've ever done or as one of the reviews said on TripAdvisor, a guy spent an entire night killing frogs that kept coming into the oh. room and into the bed. <laughs> so my wife wouldn't make this decision. No, no. She said, she said, she said I, I, I don't know. You make a decision. So I went, okay. I said, we're staying on the side of a mountain. <laughs> but be prepared that it might be the worst thing that we ever do. The worst thing. And it that could we be. Ever it do. could be the best thing you ever do. I have this real. I have this real belief that when you throw something out there that's way off, way off your comfort zone, you'll never regret it. Because even if it's bad, it's still a great experience that you get to talk about forever, right? Well, but then, she, so then I make this decision. We're staying on the side of a mountain. It could be the greatest thing or the worst thing ever. Yeah. We don't know, but we are. We are open. We're open to the experience. And then she texts me this afternoon and goes, hey, have you heard of this um, dengue fever that's now um, making the news around here because Canadians are dying because of it? They're, they're getting it on vacation and then they're, oh, really? they're actually passing away. Dengue fever, yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh, we're going to Vegas. But you know what? I haven't ruled out St. Lucia yet, but, but now I have a new thing to be afraid of. Thanks. Thanks. I guess, you know, the fact that we live on a, albeit very large, well, Tassie's very, Tasmania's very yeah, small so island. on but, an island but, where everything's trying to kill you all the time anyway, right? Yeah, I know, right? You know, we live, I live in Canada. No earthquakes here. No, no tornadoes no, here. No, no natural no. disasters. No bugs that are trying to kill you. I know. 
Like we got. But nothing. the reality is here, if you want to go on an international holiday, you have to leave the island. <laughs> it's like Survivor. You have to kind of get off the island mm -hmm. and then go to a whole nother continent. And, you know, you kind of have to think about inoculations and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we're a bit very close to very close to Asia. So most of our holiday destinations are in Asia. Um, so you've got all the tropical fevers and diseases and things in Asia. So I would love to take my kids to Vietnam. We went to Vietnam. Oh, I'd love to go to Vietnam. Oh, such a beautiful. I'm, I'm, I love northern Vietnam. There's something about the cultural crossover um, between the old French colonial days in the architecture, but also if you happen to come across some elderly uh, Vietnamese people, they actually, so I had an example of this, walked into an antique shop, couldn't, um, wanted to ask how much something cost. And um, he didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Vietnamese. And he was so old, I, for some reason, randomly wondered if he spoke French. So I asked him in French and he answered me in French. And we had a little, I mean, I don't speak fluent French, don't get me wrong, but we had this lovely little stilted communication between the two of us because he knew enough French and I knew enough French for us to just be able to talk. And it was like both of us went, wow, <laughs> we can communicate. Um, so there's something about Northern Vietnam. It's beautiful, beautiful. What are these strange climate things where you can it's cold but humid at the same time in winter in in hanoi like it's you're not hot but it's sticky weird okay climate yeah um anyway so, so those are the, those yes. are the those are the vacations so you'll have to so you're not so you're not going somewhere tropical anymore no i i well i do the have thing, a the thing is i'm the type of person my daughter has this as well if there is yeah. any mosquito anywhere they will pass seven people just to come and bite me. Yeah, my youngest is I get, is I, get I get, like, I still have scars from mosquito bites. I get really, yeah, yeah. really attacked. Yeah. And so we've been to- So you want to go to Japan? I'd love to go to, I'd love to go to Japan. I'd love to go to Korea. Okay, I'd Japan love to go to Vietnam. Then. No, no, I, I like asked my wife said no. She has no interest. In, I'd love to go to China. Um, uh, you know, well, like, so Japan doesn't have all the tropical diseases. Um, uh, and it's an amazingly safe community to be in. Mm -hmm. Um super city and yet you don't feel crowded i don't know how they manage that but you don't feel overcrowded unlike in new york as there's something about the japanese cultural awareness mm. of personal space that you just don't feel crowded yeah. um it's an amazing place well, to travel to and it will be warm at that time of year i think we might be spending a week on the side of a mountain in saint lucia with, yeah. with either the most amazing Surely you can get some in time with me covered in bug spray yeah or, yeah. Uh, or we're not going to be sleeping because yeah. of all of the chirping little bugs and everything <laughs> frogs and all of that weird stuff and the food well i've got cold, a very dear and we will be sick and it'll be raining and that might happen as well we don't know you will survive as long as there's not a, not a volcano eruption. You, you survive. <laughs> well, thanks. I hadn't considered that, but you've just given me something new to concern yeah, myself with. Yeah. Well, I think you're probably likely to be pretty safe. You know, there's, you know, because I know these things. <laughs> yeah. So would you pick? Would you pick the safer, or or would you pick the uh, the side of the mountain? Would you be at when the sandals, I'm... or would you be? At, at the the tiny independent place or would you be at the twenty four thousand dollar place <laughs> uh, 
It would depend um, because we we don't really travel without the kids. Um, we just haven't oh, it's to my date. Favorite, it's my and, favorite thing to do as a father. Um, <laughs> as a father, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, we just haven't. We really, we, we, we just haven't. And um, we usually my primary focus is how comfortable are we going to be as a family. Uh, we don't go for child-friendly places in terms of are they kid-focused. Uh, we go for um, places where we're going to have enough space, where we'll be comfortable. So the kids will eat with us in the restaurant and sit in the bar and hang out. No, they don't. But <laughs> what I mean is that we would, we would go with the place that's going to give us the best value for family fun. So is there a pool? Is there, you know, are there places to walk? Is it, you know, is it an interesting place? Um, and then price would be our second consideration. So if the best place for us as a family was the more expensive option, then we might choose the more expensive option. But that wouldn't necessarily be um, our first thought. Um, I think because also we don't... Um, I don't know. My thinking about, about if you're going to spend money, you might as well enjoy it. Like, mm -hmm. That's how I feel. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's the approach that I have. Um, it's a little bit like when I fly. So when I fly, I fly. I fly, um, I fly with Virgin Australia, and this is domestic internal airfare. So, but if I'm travelling overseas and I have the option to fly with Virgin, I'll fly with them as well. Um, there's a website that you can choose. You can mix and match your flights, so you get the absolute cheapest rate. But when you get the absolute cheapest rate, you are going to be complaining about comfort. You are going to be complaining about whether or not you've got something to eat or drink. You are going to be complaining about lots of things. So my approach to air travel, and I, I do a lot of domestic air travel, is I will fly with one airline that I know nine times out of ten gets it right. Mm -hmm. And um, when I book directly with them, I've got the op option to, they have like this little um, thing where you can bid for an upgrade. Mm. So... Um, and usually um, I'm successful. So for not much more money than my seat, I end up in business class. Nice. And I know that that's the likely outcome. Yeah, yeah. unlike I don't buy business class seats because they're super expensive, right? So I've got this little hack. <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess get, so. I, I don't know. I yeah. hang out with Evan Carmichael so, and he only flies business class. So he's, he's starting to, to, to drag me from business class is a lot nicer than coach. <laughs> business class yeah you know and um, most of my flying is between Hobart and Melbourne and it's only an hour and 15 hour and 20 mm. um, and I, I get to have a meal I get to relax I get to do some work because there's enough space uh, and so on so whereas in coach I don't feel that I can you certainly don't get a meal and you're lucky if you get a drink and um, there's not enough space for me to really comfortably I felt that I know people say that they work comfortably in coach but for me I feel like I'm doing this and I get a backache and complain a lot I don't want to complain so for me it's about you know okay thinking about how you spend your money where you spend your money um, I would much rather so here in Melbourne I do things like now I make sure that I go to um, I did something similar in Hobart so I'll go to the market and most of the things that I buy for our groceries will be organic and locally produced. It's a thing that I'm pretty big on. Um, if I've got the option of buying from local producers, so smaller farmers, rather than the big conglomerates, um, I will take that option. And it might cost me more money to do that per item, but I know damn well, if, I, if you let me loose in a supermarket 
to wander the aisles. I will buy every single crap thing I don't need and end up spending more money. So, so I'm on I'm such a strict better. diet that I can literally walk into a grocery store and you know how they talk about shopping the perimeter. I don't know if your grocery stores are like that in Australia, but you know, all of when you walk in typically here, you face produce. And then just past produce is usually um, the bakery and then you have meats and then you have dairies and it's just all around the exterior is, is all of the stuff that yeah, they've yeah. stock. I and think it's middle, the same. Pretty in the much middle the same. is all the crap that's been packaged or produced or what, what have you. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah. I walk in though, I'm on such a strict diet that there's only like, I don't know, yeah. all things I can eat or something. So it's not very hard to shop. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know if you have something similar um, in Canada or if they have something similar in the States as well, but we've had quite the controversy here in Australia about our, for our dairy um, farmers and milk producers lo being locked into contracts to provide milk. With the milk board? major supermarket. I don't know. Oh, don't know. see, we have, we have a milk board. So our dairy like my wife's grandfather was a milk producer mm. and so mm -hmm. as as a milk producer you have to sell your milk to the milk board they come and pick oh. it up you cannot give it away you cannot throw it out you cannot overproduce and you cannot underproduce you have a milk yeah i don't think quota. they have anything like that we don't you have a milk like quota that. that you have to hit mm -hmm. and they do that to control the market to ensure that pricing is set to the value yeah. that they determine it to be. So our milk board sets all of our pricing. I, you know, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what their different. margins are, but they do it to ensure that farmers yeah. can farm. Um, so that's what we've had here is the opposite of that. So farm, um, the supermarkets, the major supermarket chains moved into the milk um, pricing debate by uh, selling milk at really low rates. Hmm. Uh, and locking producers into contracts that were, uh, I'm guessing they must have looked attractive at the outset, guaranteed sales, I don't know. Um, but what's happened is a lot of farmers are, are actually losing money because of our these milk contracts. is so expensive here. Our milk, our cheese, our chicken, yeah. like we have it, we have, so we, we, our pork, our beef and our chicken is also mm -hmm. priced based yeah. off of boards. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, four, four liters of milk is, uh, I think, $4.25. So how many liters? Four liters. A gallon. So we probably, we're probably paying that for two liters. So um, you pay $4 for two liters of milk? Do I you guys so. just not have a lot of cows? <laughs> it seems very expensive. You go, to, you go to the States, you can get milk for like $2 <laughs> a gallon or, you know. Yeah. Like it's I, like our chicken, like here for boneless, skinless yeah. chicken breast, it's it's yeah. like sixteen dollars uh, a kilo. It's incredibly expensive. Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, see, well, okay. Let's get into so, the pricing because I know you pay attention. I've so learned the, that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, what I do. So this is the thing. I I I don't pay attention to the price. I pay attention to the to the to the um to the experience and to the uh, to what's going on behind the scenes. That's the stuff that I will notice. So in Tasmania in particular, when I was still living there, and, and of course, when I'm, when I'm home there again, because I'm there every month, um, there are a couple of local Tasmanian milk producers that I will buy, I will only buy my milk from those local Tasmanian milk producers uh, yeah. instead of buying from the major producers. Um, and certainly I will not buy supermarket branded milk 
because of these contracts. Um, so it's kind of like there's been a bit of a push here in Australia about boycotting the supermarket branded milks. I mean, nobody's winning that particular war, but um, I would rather support a local producer. And so now it was interesting to me when I moved here figuring out, oh, I don't know who to buy milk from. I don't know whose milk, I don't know which label on a milk bottle represents a local producer. And luckily I found a little shop around the corner that sells mostly organic produce and then the markets and so on. And I've started to learn, I've started to learn which producers I'm buying my milk from. That's just one example. Milk's one mm. example. Um, so for me, I would rather spend a little bit more per item on the quality of the product and the story behind the product than save the money and but risk spending more in my total shopping bill by going into a supermarket. I don't like supermarkets. That sounds that like it sounds like you're justifying something. No, it's well, I probably no, I probably am, but it is a real thing. Like for me, I will spend less money per week. We have a family food. of six. We spend a tremendous amount of money on food. You will spend it. Yeah, well, there's that too. Yeah, I've just that, grown comfortable that. with the fact yeah. that, you know, with my teenager yeah. and my almost yeah. teenage boy mm. who just, yeah, you know, that we eat. And yeah. now that I eat a special diet and my wife eats a special diet and stuff. Just, I've, I've, had to, yeah. I've had to give up the fight of yeah. trying to keep grocery bills reasonable. Yeah. Oh, look, I haven't quite hit that zone yet. <laughs> we're not quite teenagers yet, but we're, I think we're burgeoning. We're getting onto that soon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I will. I would much rather, uh, and I have this argument with my kids a lot because they are fans of junk food. Um, and I would much rather take them out to dinner um, than have them buy junk food. You know, I'd rather say, let's go. To the, we're surrounded by restaurants. We're surrounded by Melbourne's known for its food. I mean, most big cities are, of course. Um, I would much rather go and have a nice meal at a restaurant nearby, knowing that my youngest, Henry, ha will, will eat something healthy from there as opposed to getting some crap from. And I'm not a health freak or any of those things. I have no stake or no, no claim to say that I live some no, kind of I, healthy lifestyle. I, I don't get the I, sense that you're a health freak. I get the sense that you are super, super passionate about supporting local yeah. slash i don't know i don't know if it's like yeah. i don't know if it's a if it's a status thing or if it's like uh no. like a personality no. thing but yeah because uh, so there's I, no difference between this and you feeling the need to reach out and help yeah. people in With the affected the communities eyes. or yeah. when you were doing counseling yeah. or whatever you just you just want you yeah. want to know the experience and the story behind the people because you want to deal with people you don't want to yep. be large multinational corporations that's correct yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if I've got the opportunity to um, support another local business by using their service for my business, I would much rather do that than have some other big conglomerate. Oh. See, that always makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm like someone who's like, oh, it's a chain. It might be garbage, but at the very least, I know what I'm going to get. If it's an independent, who knows what you're going to get? You might get something amazing. You might get something terrible. You don't know. And, and yet, yeah, just like the yeah. hotel, just like the hotel decision, yeah. when we do go to independent places, more often than not, they're actually a lot better. <laughs> People just care independent a little bit houses. more. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. So I run a midwinter retreat, uh, you know, business working retreat every winter for the last couple of years I've done this. Um, and I run it out of a boutique hotel in Hobart. And the building is nearly 200 years old. 
Um, it's a very small, I think they've only got 10 rooms. It's exquisite. Their food is amazing. They've got this beautiful dining. They've got a big sort of dining area. Bull in Tasmania money. 200 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going with this? What was the question? Say that again. I said, were people in Tasmania 200 years ago to build this okay, hotel? People, okay. First of all, people have been in Tasmania for like 60,000 years. But, but, the, the, ab aborig those, but those were Aboriginal people, yes, who, <laughs> yes. who have a claim to the but, land so that, and so weren't Tasmania, building so boutique Tasmania. hotels. <laughs> no, they weren't building boutique hotels. Um, but no, um, Hobart was settled 1803. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is one of like the first buildings to go in then. It's probably not true. This this one is probably it's probably somewhere between 150 and 200 years old, the hotel. But it has been around for a long time. It That's was a cool. it was a home. It was a home, like a very swanky See, home. We, we we are we are one of the youngest countries ever. And so Canada. History. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like yeah. history for us is is like, hey, we have this fancy hotel called the um, the Fairmont Royal York. Mm. That was built in 19. That. that was built in 1925. Like that's like, no like wow, it's oh, almost a hundred years yeah, old, right? Yeah. Our our Union yeah. train station was put in in like the 19 mm. in the 1890s. Like like to us, that's like really old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, my family, I'm I'm eighth generation Tasmanian. Okay. Um, that's a lot of generations. Some people, some people, some people will have something to say about my gene pool uh, being eighth generation Tasmanian. I don't know how to make fun of Tasmanians. <laughs> oh yeah, well, all you need to say, yeah, no. Uh, so the, the standard joke about Tasmanians is that we're born with two heads, um, and um, and so the classic response that I learnt over the years—I don't even know where I stole this from. I, I definitely stole it from someone. Was at least I got to choose my face. What's your excuse? I so don't. I don't even get that joke. So Tasmanians are born with two heads. I get so my... I got rid of the other one. I kept this one. I chose this one. Ah, okay. I get it now. Chose my face. What's your excuse? Um. So yeah. So Tasmania was built. Uh. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. It was built on um convict um, background. Um. And my family uh, is a mix on my mother's side of convict ancestry and on my father's side of free farming settlers. Who did they piss um, off or what did they do wrong? My convict ancestors were arsonists, one from which is complicated given the recent bushfires. Yeah. So one oh, was gosh. A, a, it's not complicated at all. What does, what does that mean? It's complicated. Well, okay. The complication is that I had a program that I was promoting called Firestarters, which was named after my convict ancestors. Um, so it was named after, you know, um, yeah, that's the, something you might the things that they overcame to, yes. you know, have this amazing future, right? Yes. Um, I can't, you know, I've renamed that program now. Yeah. But um, so one was a male uh, farm worker who set fire to the crops and was sent out here from England and the other was a female domestic worker who set fire to the stable. Was it the stable or the house? Yeah. Stable or house? I suspect that she was probably um, pretty angry about something. And we can probably guess what might have caused such ferocious anger to set fire to either the house or the stables. So um, you may have been, what, in a relationship with a man who jilted her? Uh, look, I think... 
I don't. I, I wonder if she was a victim of sexual assault. Ah, that's a much worse way of saying what I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She had. Yeah. She had. Um, she had a lot of problems ongoing, alcoholism and all sorts of stuff going on for her. He, I wonder with um, the male ancestor, there was actually a movement in the UK uh, around the similar time. A lot of convicts came out for arson offences. And I actually noticed when I was researching this, I noticed on the same ship as him, there were a lot of people with uh, fire setting or arson offences. And I asked the archivist, you know, what's the story? What was, what was going on? And at the time in the UK, there was a, um, a reaction against the Industrial Revolution known as the Swing Riots, so S-W-I-N-G, Swing Riots. And the guy who was leading those was referred to as Captain Swing. And um, people were setting fire to stuff all over the place as a retaliation against losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods to machines. Mm. So I don't know whether he was a member of the Swing Riots or not, whether it was a deliberate action or a deliberate political action on his part, but um, or whether he was just drunk and dropped a candle. I don't know. Hmm. But um, <laughs> anything's possible. Or whether um, they just shipped off people they didn't like and then just wrote down arsonist as, as the crime. <clears throat> Look, they were... I don't know. There was there was certainly some interesting stories and um, there was some falsification of records, especially in Tasmania. Um, I have an ancestor on my father's side who was um, documented as being gypsy, her ancestry being gypsy, um, which is interesting in Tasmania. Um, there were some um, Romani gypsies in Australia, but a very small community of them, and I don't know how many of them made it to Tasmania. Um, the, the more likely story, uh, given that we had free farming settlers on that side of the family in northern Tasmania, where there was a very strong Aboriginal community, the likelihood is, is stronger that there was some Aboriginal component to her history, her story. Mm. Um, but I, I can't prove that, and, um, and I'll never know. So people would falsify documents about answer, about their heritage in order to be allowed to marry. So Aboriginal people had to get permission to marry and permission was frequently denied. Mm. Um, so, so people would often document that they are either gypsy or Indian to, to be allowed to marry freely. It was very, very interesting time. So. Mm. And how, how did, did we, we, get, how here? Did we get here? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it should be called. How did we get here? How did we get here? So yeah, boutique hotel. <laughs> so I would rather I would rather spend a bit more on a boutique hotel for that kind of experience where I know that people are going to have a great experience. But also, uh, so this year I've already just about filled the whole hotel. So I know that we will have the whole hotel to ourselves to for break. There's lots of beautiful, a couple of beautiful breakout spaces in this particular hotel. So I know that it's costing me more than it might cost to run that event somewhere else. But the experience of it will be memorable, and part, and that's partly what I'm selling is the experience as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's um, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from in terms of is it a personality thing? I don't know where it comes from. Um, can't tell you. I think I think you are very very drawn to experience because even so. even even listening and, to you talk about story, yeah. much rather go out to a nice restaurant with your with your boys than allow them to have junk food like 
That's oh, what I still you might want. Habit, That's what you might want, but they might just be like, thanks, mom. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I, I don't want to go out for this nice meal with yeah. you. Just well, interestingly, interestingly, Henry's a very fussy eater. He's my youngest, whereas Roy's very adventurous eater. He's my oldest. So uh, when Roy, Roy would be in the seat in the shopping trolley um, at um, the grain grocer eating a mushroom like an apple when he was two. <sighs> You know, Ew. like he does that, and he still does. Like he would eat, he would eat oysters and olives and all sorts of things. Um, so I've got polar opposites: two children raised in the same home with foodie parents, and one of them is extremely fussy eater. So we've now found restaurants where he are his favourite ones. So there's a beautiful little French restaurant around the corner that we really, really love, and he he loves to go there because they do the most beautiful steak, and they do it, you know, they do it just the way he likes it, and and that's a bit special. So. We don't, you know, but because we eat out regularly, you know, it's not such a uh, big deal for us. So we won't necessarily, like we don't do the three courses. It doesn't cost ridiculous quantities of money to do that. We just have one course and it might only be an entree if you're not particularly hungry. Well, you know, I can, do you guys call it entree or appetizer? We have an appetizer and then we have yeah. the entree and then we may have dessert. No, no. The entree, the entree. Is, is the main. No, mm -hmm. it's not. It is. <laughs> No, it isn't. <laughs> Tis. So we. <laughs> so okay. So we might have an appetizer, like ah. yeah, and it's the experience again. It's the experience of. Or we don't even call them out. appetizers anymore. They're just called starters. Call oh. They're called starters. Oh, that hurts my ears. <laughs> Listen, I don't make not, up the rules. That's I just not. I just try to live word. in this world. <laughs> mm. Test, so the experience. We, we, so it does. We win? It does. Well, I think we did win because I was just about to bring it back to Malacuta. Oh. oh, okay, good. Bring it home. Bring it home. <laughs> I don't even know how I managed to do that. So the whole point for me is, yes, we've got spend with them. We've got stay with them. These are all hashtags, right? Spend with them, stay with them, uh, empty esky, and now my Malacuta esky. They're all about people having the experience and getting the quality of the experience. And while they're doing that, they're supporting uh, bushfire affected communities there's also a push I don't know that there's an associated hashtag but there is also a push for business to run events and um, um, meetings and whatever in conferences or something in some of these communities so I'm very much thinking already about well midwinter retreat do I continue to run that in Tasmania I'm happy to keep doing that or do I run it in Malacuta I don't know what's there. So, you know, we'll have to go and explore that option as well. There's an um, aerodome. I know, because you did the research for me because you were trying to make me go there like that day. I wanted you to fly in, yes. I my grandfather, my grandfather was an was a an aircraft mechanic during the Second World War and um he had wanted to be a pilot and that didn't happen. And so he never left Australia during the war. He was here servicing mm. aircraft and um that's lucky for but him because otherwise he would have been in what the South Pacific or something, right? Yeah, yeah right. And I might not be here. Um, but he, um, when I was living with my grandparents for a couple of years when I was um, a kid, and when I was living with them around that time anyway, he eventually went and got some flying lessons, and he took me up in a plane, a small aircraft, um, and fabulous memory. But for some reason or other i i don't really like the idea of small planes so i don't think i'm going to be flying into malacuta anytime <laughs> but uh, driving six hours 
not a problem. Easy you know, peasy. We put, easy, easy. We put on the audio books, we put on the music, whatever we do, we have an experience along the way. We stop everywhere and drink coffee everywhere and um, eat all the things. You've used the word experience like 85 times in this podcast. It is the most important yeah. thing to you. You turn it's your road important. trip into an experience along the way. <laughs> but you can, you, can, you can add that concept to any business, right? You can add that. What is the experience? When my clients, so when I first started my private practice, I wanted it to look a certain way. So I had it decorated in a kind of an art deco slash nouveau kind of style um, because most of my clients at that time in particular, um, the, the type of client population I was focusing on, they were often um, uh, treated poorly uh, in terms of respect. You know, they didn't go many places where they got a lot of respect. Uh, I was de dealing with um, people with personality disorders and criminal behaviours and that sort of thing. I wanted people to walk in the door of my practice and feel like this was the most special place they got to come to. It might be the only special place they get to go to and they get treated with respect. And that's before they've even entered the consulting room to see me. You know, So the minute they walk in, they're treated with respect and it's a nice place to come. So it does also inform my business choices. I guess some people would call that customer service, but maybe that's why you're successful. Maybe you focus on maybe, experience. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Okay. Maybe. We won. <laughs> we, we did it. We did what we set out to do. <laughs> and the funny thing is I, I refused to panic about this once I realized that I haven't recorded this except to Facebook. So you didn't I hit record. I did, but I didn't do the proper bit. So it didn't record to Zoom, but it recorded to Facebook. Okay. Look at the face. Look at the face. It's okay. It's okay. It's just details. We will download it from Facebook. We will upload it to YouTube. We will do all the things and it will still exist. C'est parfait. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. You need to go to bed now because it's late in your world. It is late. And I, I need can to hear go my and kids running around because about... they should be in bed by now as well. Yeah, see, so and you can blame me. There you go. It's Tessa's fault. Tess. <laughs> I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I will talk to you soon. I'll talk okay. to you in a couple of weeks. Good in night. In a fortnight, even. A fortnight, Sleep exactly. Well. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.